Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds, helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities. We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal, create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. Don't go play in the sun for too long. You'll get dark. I still remember those words from my mom. It wasn't about cancer or health. It was about looking fair or as close to white as possible. I grew up in a culture, in a system, where my parents' parents and their parents, who were all suffered through the colonization, various cultures coming through, passed on this idea, ideology that being fair, being white, is a good thing. And so it's part of our rituals. It's part of uh, before the wedding, the bride and the groom get um get covered in turmeric and some other colors so they, they can look fairer for the wedding. And the people who look fair, in fact, one of the fa uh, factors during uh, marriage applications or aspects uh, of dating is how uh, your skin is closer to white. People consider themselves weedish or fair or dark. And then the darker you are, the less desirable you are. In fact, there's this whole idea that if you're too dark, you can't be in movies in India and in Bollywood. You might be able to play a villain, but never a leading character or a positive character. And this sort of was a reflection that came to me when I started thinking about perfectionism. The idea that there is an ideal way to live, be, express, present, share, it all comes from the system that is in control. It comes from the culture that is in power and that is upholding their power by saying, be like me and you'll be amazing and you'll be, you'll belong. And that's where this idea came from. And for you to get a good life, work out like me, eat like me, look like me, be like me. And it was a system where mistakes are punished, shamed, and become a source of anxiety. That's how I sort of understood perfectionism as I started reflecting on it as we were going to talk about this topic. It sort of brought back some of these these ideas. Amy, what, what did it do for you? What does perfectionism mean to you? Hmm. Well, I think I first learned the meaning of perfectionism when I was very young, probably like, I don't know, like six or seven, maybe. Um, and, and I tried my best at doing whatever I was doing because the people around me were expecting me to knock, rock, not rock the boat, um, to, to be like fit in line. I was, I'm one of four children. So, um, you know, that it's, it's like, we, you know, you want to have them, you know, when you're out in public, you want to, you know, act, act a certain way. Um, and, also, like when I think about it with my, um, you know, with my aunt Tina, there was always this like um, perfection, per like 
um, veil of perfection that we were having. And I even veered into perfectionism territory when I joined spaces that were very male centric. Like I was the only girl on the baseball team and I chose baseball rather than softball. And I also did construction for some period of time, like in my career. So in those spaces as a, maybe the only woman, often the only woman who were, was there gutting houses, building houses, doing baseball, I was only accepted if I excelled in the work. And um, I always thought growing up, I always thought of perfectionism as a, perfectionism as something positive. So I would push myself. And that meant that I had, uh, that I held everyone up to a higher standard as well. And so that to me seemed like I was going to the extra mile and I was shining brighter than everyone else around me. And then I believe when I shone or like when I would shine brighter than like, like be the brightest star out there, then I'm supremely successful. And then, but then when I look back on it, it really was uh, what I, what I call a trauma response from like the world around me seemed like it was crumbling around me. I have childhood trauma. I've dealt with a lot of different workplace trauma as well. And what I find is that many places that I've been in, um, and and it and it kind of points to a bigger societal problem that equates success with being perfect and achieving more and more and producing more. And so in this space, we are always going to lose. And then what happened to me was that it became very pronounced when I was working in a consulting firm with 25,000 people worldwide. And I was, I was asked to come in, in this like prestigious team, which I thought was my biggest, <laughs> my big break there was uh, to build a culture of innovation. And I was like, oh my gosh, like they chose me for this. And, you know, they're taking a chance on me. I'm lucky to be here. And everyone around me had degrees from like Ivy League schools, MBAs, lots of credentials. And I'm this first generation American, first generation in my family to go to college. And, and I have a bachelor's from UMD. So I was just like, in that comparison, feeling like, oh my gosh, I got to be better than everybody around me at execution and just show up with the the best of intentions and just perfect, right? At the end of the day. So I, I felt that pressure to do everything that way. And um and and also because I was on that team, I was learning and doing at the same time. So I did not just I, as I was learning something, I had to immediately immediately apply it. So there was a lot of like posturing that I was doing. And it became a pressure cooker because it's like you you actually become better at things after you practice it over time, but there was no room for failure. So I was literally working 80 hour weeks um, and because I was terrified, I was terrified that they would fire me at any moment with any misstep, even though like, honestly, I have plenty of stories about this, I'm not going to go into them right now, but about the team around me was collapsing because there was so much asked of the team and people were leaving. People just could not keep up. And 
that made me think of like that meme that you, t- that you probably have seen where it's like a dog drinking coffee in the middle of a burning house. And he's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And it's like, I feel like that's what perfectionism is to me. It's just being like, you know, like you're burning and everything's burning around you, but you still have to have this, per- this, this like uh kind of veneer that says that everything is okay. And, um, and this honestly led me to have a nervous breakdown in 2015. And that was the turning point for me. Wow. That, that meme is such a great way to sort of visualize. I think it's, it's that perfectionism when things, because life is complex, right. And, and things do happen. Mistakes happen, you know, stuff goes wrong and we end up sort of putting that facade of everything's great. Everything's perfect. And I think that's so interesting that you said that. And so today we're talking about perfectionism. We sort of reflected on what that means. And, and it is one of the characteristics of white supremacy as we're continuing this journey on understanding the various characteristics um, and learning from Tema Kun. And now what we're diving into, this idea that this that we are as humans can be perfect and what how perfectionism shows up into all of these things life and the universe is random and i believe that in in the theory that that life was a function of this randomness and and the entropy of the universe so in that sense with the randomness of the world and the universe this idea that that there's something perfect doesn't doesn't align it doesn't fit because just like the world of the universe, we're in one part of the universe, and it just happens to be that we know of life in our planet, but life evolved in many different ways and all these different kinds of things because it was adapting to changes and, and luck, and luck plays a big part of all of this. How can there be room for perfection in this? If there was perfection, then this wouldn't have happened. Life in all these different forms wouldn't have happened. And that's sort of how I sort of start bringing that down is like this concept is is imaginary it doesn't exist it doesn't exist in our physical universe but it exists in our culture and that's where the rub is and that's what we're talking about it's a human concept used to keep humans pushing to work harder and your story amy you said produce more you said do more push for an outcome and the teams were collapsing but the pressure was there you are in a pressure cooker and it's this human concept, like, yes, we can achieve this perfection. We can all do better. And there was no room for failure. There was no room for mistakes. That is where this, this, the problem of perfectionism comes in. It's one of the root causes of imposter syndrome, where we don't feel like we can achieve this perfection that people are putting around me. And I don't fit into that because I don't think I can hit that. And so then we feel like an imposter. And when we start pursuing this perfection, perfectionism or perfection, that's when it's like this pressure we put on ourselves and then anxieties and, and we're afraid of making mistakes. We're afraid of even sharing if we made a mistake. And that used to happen in a previous company for me as well, where if there was a mistake, people would try to hide it or try to cover it or try to pass it on to someone else because the what would happen when a mistake was made? You get fired. You get reprimanded, shamed. All kinds of negative experiences would come through that. And, and what I learned um, 
the first, the first, the word perfectionism, when I learned that, and I remember this because this is used often in, in the past when people were preparing for interviews. And when I was looking up resources to how to prepare for interviews, when I was going into the job force, and the question that comes up is, um, um, name a strength or weakness. And people would use, oh, I'm a perfectionist. That's my weakness. Or I'm a perfectionist. And that was used as an identity, as a as a powerful thing. And we'll talk more about it. But I wanted to understand, Amy, what are the ways you see the control of perfection show up in our lives and workplaces? Yeah, those, those are some interesting mindsets. And, and like, I think it's when you think about the idea of perfectionist, like, is like when it, it makes me think about like when you're interviewing, like people are saying, what is your, what is your a weakness, right? Being a perfectionist, right? Like, it's kind of like a compliment, but also like a, a very negative thing too. It's like, um, you know, like, cause you don't want to seem as if you have flaws or, um, or weaknesses in a job interview, you want to feel like you're all knowing, which is, that's a whole problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we could process, do a whole, right? <laughs> whole episode on that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think about like the idea of perfectionism is like, I was like, no, if you call yourself a perfectionist, I feel like the employers just turn the other way because, um, because that, that is uh, a very rigid person. Um, and so I think when I think about the way that people show up in our, how it shows up in our lives and workplaces. Um, so the Brene Brown, who is, uh, has wrote a book actually about the gifts of, of, of imperfection. Um, and she also has this, I, you know, and this is how I first found out about her. She, this in 2010, she did this Ted talk on the power of vulnerability, and it now has more than six, 60 million views. I think it's one of the most viewed TED Talk of all time. And she's a researcher that studies how like empathy and shame and resilience and perfectionism shows up. And she's written a ton of books. I'm sure you have heard of her <laughs> along the way. But in, in her first book, she actually defines what perfectionism is. And I think it's it's helpful to to, to say it here. And the first one is perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels the primary thought of I look perfect and do, if I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of blame, judgment, and shame. Two, perfectionism is self-destructive simply because there's no such thing as perfect getting back to what you were saying before, right? Um, and then number three, perfectionism is an unattainable goal. Additionally, perfectionism is much more about perception. We want to be perceived as perfect. It's more about perception than internal motivation. And there is no way to control perception, no matter how much time and energy is spent trying. And that to me makes me really think that like how fragile we all are as humans, you know, and it's like, we are spending a ton of time to control people's perception of us, but we have no control over that. And so when we strive to be perfect, we are very fragile. And there, if there's a crack in that foundation of the perception foundation, there is, and there's almost always a crack, the whole house comes crumbling down. And I, I feel this, very much so as as a woman, um, there we're especially taught to always prove our worth 
and continually produce value to be accepted and loved in society, in our in our relationships, et cetera. And especially, it's especially pronounced for white women. I was working with a somatic coach and she would tell me that, that she works with a ton of white women and shame is such a feeling that white women have in particular. And we feel that infinite amounts of shame for not being perfect and falling into place with what our husbands or other authority figures say we should be doing. Right. And, and we're, you know, you know, again, again goes to that perception and, you know, you had to fit into this mold of what we think you should be. Yeah. And I think what you said about the fragility of humanity and how perfectionism is sort of the antithesis of that um, is really important, powerful. And that this, this story that comes up, I was watching this um, show on Netflix called uh, Human Playground. And there they showcase this this community, this, cult, um, this group of people in Omo Valley in Ethiopia. And this is a culture where part of the coming of age ritual is where the men have to go through the, um, a specific game and the women have to go through a, a different one and uh, to be go from being considered a boy girl to a man woman to can be considered an adult um, and part of the um, conversation. And for the women, they have to scar their bodies, use needles and other ways to scar their bodies. And the men, they have to fight without any protective gear whatsoever with a big, long mm -hmm. stick with other men. And during the fight, the way to win is to come out of the fight with uh, not showing any pain, not showing any um, weakness, um, beating the other opponent. And for the women, similarly, not showing any pain, not showing any sort of um, tears or fear or any of that. And really show the opposite of fragility. And it in this case, the the man and the woman that are that come out of this showing that sense of perfection that oh I am the strongest and I am the best, they are the ones who are celebrated. That their perfection is celebrated. They get the choice of partners first. And they, they get the best partners, the best looking partners and and they are celebrated and paraded around the community as as this role models and and that was really interesting because this this idea this idea of perfectionism is sort of sprinkled all over the world in all these different cultures and it's something that is part of the zeitgeist of humanity because we somehow have put in this idea that being human means we can become some version of this that we are not, and we keep striving to be that perfect version. And I believe perfectionism is uh, is the opposite of vulnerability. And vulnerability is when we show that we are not 100% strong. We show that there are, we make mistakes. We show that we are learning and we're growing. But with perfectionism, this idea and, and this culture sort of when you talked about fragility, it reminded me of this story. And it made me think like, because it's showing up in all these different cultures, is it some sort of like an addiction that's gripped humanity? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think of the same thing. It's like, I think of it as perfectionism, perfectionism is a drug that we've been given our whole lives by society. Um, 
you know, we find we were fed this regular diet of striving for per- perfection that will lead us to success. And we're constantly rewarded for the behavior in how are how things are stru- this you know reward structures are set up so and then you know I, like i was saying before like once we have that epiphany that we no longer want to be on this ride of perfectionism i think we spend most of our lives unpacking and discovering who are what our true identities are outside of this space and then that allows us to have more authentic lives and that idea of vulnerability and going back to that, the, the power of um, the power of vulnerability or the gifts of imperfection, which is what um, Brene Brown talks about is those two are linked vulnerable, becoming vulnerable and letting go of perfectionism is so important in this role. And she actually, Brene Brown does say in her definition that perfectionism is addictive because when we experience shame, judgment, and blame, we often believe that we're not perfect enough rather than questioning the faulty logic of perfectionism. So we become even more entrenched in our quest to live, look, and do everything just right. So it's like this vicious cycle. And it also increases the odds that we'll experience these painful emotions and often leads to self-blame. So it's like, you're saying, it's my fault. I'm feeling this way because I'm not good enough. And that is something that viscerally I feel in a deep way. Um, and as as somebody who, that's my one of my core beliefs, is like, I never feel like I'm good enough. But there's plenty of things that I have to keep telling myself like I am good enough at the end of the day. And as I look around the world today, I feel us getting stuck in that addictive nature of perfectionism. And then it leads to so many dysfunctions and blocks us from the meaningful relationships we can have in our life and our workplace. Yeah, I I think that's so important to understand that. And I think you mentioned it as well, which is uh, once we sort of give up this grip of perfectionism and become aware of it, that we are working towards it, we start working towards, okay, who am I then? If I'm not working towards that ideal that someone else set for me, that goal that, oh, I need to be that like that person, look like that person, act like that person, it switches to, well, who am I? What is my identity? How do I, what is my authenticity? And I think that's so powerful and it's empowering. And I think that's where there is hope. Um, just like perfection is a concept, we we the system and the culture is empowered, we can individually disempower that concept and remove it from our lives and like a harmful tumor. Um, it starts with a mindset change, changing our mindset from a mistake shaming one to a mistake celebrating one. And I do this all the time at work where I, I talk about, okay, what are the mistakes we're celebrating today? What are the failures we're celebrating today in, in meetings with teams, with uh, with folks, because I want people to know that it's okay to make mistakes. And so we use mistakes as a tool to learn and grow. And that's our one of the greatest tools we can have by doing something, making mistakes. And, and Amy, you shared in your story, you were learning and doing on the job. And, and that pressure cooker where you couldn't make mistakes was forcing all kinds of work, 80 hours work weeks and people leaving. And that's an example where if we just flipped it, it's like, yeah, everyone knows we're learning and 
we might make mistakes and that's okay because we're going to iterate, we're going to learn. And that would have changed that culture of that team so much, so differently. And so I think it's, we also need to focus on the outcome rather than the method. And this is the second part of that mindset change, celebrating mistakes. And the second is focusing on the outcome rather than the specific process or the method we, um, we get to that outcome. Part of perfectionism is do this and do it my way or do this or do it this way. And, and that's how we get there. It's just there's this one way idea. And that's not true. Everyone can come to a problem with different ways. They have their own approach and they can achieve the same outcome. And I think if we start focusing on the outcome and we're talking about what are the outcome we're trying to achieve and then empower people to say, okay, what are the tools you need to learn and help work towards this outcome? And then they can get to that process. It doesn't mean we don't give guidelines or boundaries. Those are there. But it's changing that mindset from being a cog in a machine to being an intelligent part of a team owning responsibility, their outcomes, and then delivering to their authentic best abilities, learning, making mistakes, celebrating them, and then moving towards that outcome. So changing the mindset is, I think, step one as we go through this. And Amy, would love to hear how do you fight the grip of perfectionism? Yeah, I I think those are really great to like start off with like, you know, having a mindset shift is really important, but I see it happening in in kind of a two ways right like there's the level of um of on our personal level our personal relationship with perfectionism like there's a solution here on one side it's like you have to realize that perfectionism is really the water we swim in and then we've really been taught that success leads to perfectionism leads to success and that that is not that is like almost a lie we're being told. And that that when we see that and what you've been taught and have building awareness or seeing how that shows up on how you talk to yourself and also how you act in your life. So what are the little, the little voices in your head telling you that you need to do this perfectly? And you know, once you have built that awareness, and you can pinpoint it, then you can start saying, okay, what am I going to do with that information Information that I'm hearing? Then you can say, okay, I'm going to unlearn this behavior and say, start saying to yourself, you know what, this is actually perfectionism rearing its ugly head. And, you know, I gotta be, I'm going to be okay with not delivering at 100%. Maybe you want to say, I'm going to deliver at an 80% effort today, and that's fine. Like for me, I love to take naps. I build in time to take walks or be with loved ones, read a book, do things that does not involve being part of this, this culture of perfectionism. Um, and then also know that you're your own worst critic and, and, and being your own worst critic does not actually improve your work. It actually contributes to low morale for the group, for yourself, all these different things. If you're not learning from these mistakes that you're having, you know, you are behind the the game, right? You're not, you're behind the eight ball. And then, and then over time, keep paying attention to the work and the, the, the building awareness within yourself. And then also how you interact with each other. So that's that first side of the solution. And then the second side is changing the system that we're in. So whether it's like 
your home space or in the workplace with your children, with your partners, but also with your colleagues. It's again, realizing that we're swimming in the, that we're all swimming in this water of perfectionism and we need to be much more intentional about how we show up. And um, I think a, a big buster of perfectionism is creating this idea called psychological safety. And there's three cr critical ways to do that is openly talking about and expecting work to not be polished, but instead create multiple opportunities for feedback and iteration. So not expecting that, you know, you need to deliver something that's like in, in the consulting world, we were like, it needs to be client ready, right? And so just removing that expectation in a bigger way. And then secondly, start appreciating each other a little bit more. Um, make sure that you appreciate the work and efforts um, that people are doing. It sounds like you're doing that really well, Kevin, is like you were saying, you know, talking about failure, right? And is is like actually the third part, which is learn developing a learning organization. So how do you reframe failure? Is by turning failure into learning. Um, this is done really well in a lot of like... Um, in, in the like this concept of like lean startup, which like you're build measuring and learning through the process, building this, you build something, you, you learn, you measure if it's doing the work that you're doing and then you're learning from it. And so it's this continual, like I was saying, iterations before allows us to, to make mistakes, understand and, and look back on what we've done, but then also know how we can do this better in the future. So those are those are some things I would offer from from a systems change perspective. Realize that we're swimming in this water of perfectionism and creating this psychological safety, which is essentially just making sure that we feel like we can be vulnerable. We can have moments where we can fail, um, like what we think of failure, but we're actually learning and we appreciate the work and, and each other in the workplace. Yeah. I, I think th those are really great tips. And as we continue to strive um, in our lives to figure life out and just live and, and deal with the complexities of the, of our life, of emotions, of everything that's happening in the world, we can remove this burden from our lives and it's a gift we can give ourselves. And so the question we're leaving you with today is how might you overcome the grip of perfectionism in your own life? Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at Real Amy J. Wilson and Kevin at Shaw Kevin.